Okay, testing, testing. One, two, three. Uh, this turn. All right, there we go. Ah, well, good morning. We'll try that one more time here. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the firehouse. Thank you guys for making a choice to join us this Sunday morning. Um, got a few, few fun things here. If you're sitting in the front rows, uh, we do have some trash bags we'll pass out to cover yourselves with here, just in case. Um, if you want to get in on that, please scoot forward. Um, no, just joking. There won't be nothing too messy here. So, um, let's see. Before we get started, maybe um, like to Walt, Walt uh, donated at least for this morning his brand new laser pointer thing. So we'll, we'll see how this thing goes. But it looks it looks like it could burn a hole in something here if we're not careful. So I don't think we'll zap anyone in the eyes who might be sleeping this morning. That'd be probably a lawsuit waiting to happen. Um, let me see some other things before we get started. Um, I think uh, I love the, the worship time here. Just feel like God's blessing our time of worship for me. Uh, just a few uh, with my family, just to get to sing together here. Um, two two songs stood out to me. Um, one in a, in a spiritual sort of way, and one not so much. But um, uh, one of the songs we sing, the very first one, it has a, a verse in it that's straight out of the book of Ephesians. I believe it's Ephesians chapter five. And it talks about, it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And it's just talking about waking, either maybe for the first time, waking up to the things of God and to God's Son in Christ. Um, or maybe as a Christian, you've been sleepwalking and it's time to wake up, snap out of it and, and get on with the living, of following, sold out to Jesus Christ. You know, and, uh, but as we were singing that song, one of the things that my kids mentioned as they were whispering to me as, as we were singing was, that's also the song my wife sings to the kids to wake them up in the morning and in beds. They're like, Mom sings that song. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. You know, and, um, they thought that was interesting and, and I thought it was too. Um, other one that was fun was that, uh, you know, all the songs I thought were great, but one of them, uh, the Amazed song, Lord, I'm amazed by you. I'm amazed how you love me. And, and I was just struck by the idea of having my, uh, holding my little boy in my arms as we're singing that and just thinking that, uh, you know, he doesn't, doesn't talk, he doesn't obey, he doesn't do anything at this point. But uh, I have this love for my boy that is just, uh, it's amazing. And God's love for me and God's love for you is just beyond what we can even imagine, what we can know. I know what it ex- feels like to love my little boy and all my kids. But and the love that God has for you and I as our Father is so beyond that. And it is something to be amazed by. And so um, we're going to go ahead and pray and jump into this message here this morning. So if you guys would, um, just bow our heads and ask God to meet us here and speak to us this morning. Uh, Well, Lord Jesus, we are amazed by you, by your love for us. Just think of how, while we were still sinners, you came and you died for us, you laid down your life, you poured out your blood for us, and and we had yet to turn to you. And um, we just thank you that how much you love us, how much you are willing to give for us. Lord, I pray this morning you would help us to hear from you. As we look at these verses, it's your words, Lord. And we ask that you would speak the word of God to us through the Spirit of God. God, I ask you to speak through me. Use me as just an instrument, a vessel through whom you can speak. And um, God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us whatever you feel like we need to hear whether that is for encouragement, whether that is for correction or conviction or comfort. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning what you feel we need as, 
since you're our Father and, and you know that's best. And so we just turn our time over to you. I do ask that you would enable me to speak your words with great boldness this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning we are um, doing a series that's, uh, that's part two of a series we started last week. It's called Supernatural Living. Last week we just talked about kind of the first step is being connected. If you want to live a supernatural life, the life that Jesus promised, an abundant life, you need to be connected to the, the promiser of that life, the one who uh, is the source of the supernatural and abundant life that Jesus was talking about. And so that's, um, that's where we left it last week, just making sure you're connected with God through faith in Jesus Christ and that you have at least the ability to live that supernatural life. This morning we're going to look at the next step that's, um, you know, that I think is it's arguably one of the most important facets of the Christian life. Um, after salvation, I think this could be one of the most important things after that to catch. Um, it's debatable. There's a plenty of important things after that. But this is one that I, I think all too many Christians miss out on this. And so that I hope this morning God would speak to you some things that maybe you haven't thought of before or maybe you haven't uh, lived out or experienced in a while. I'd like to start with a story um, that, that I read related to this that comes from back in the, the days of the Depression. And there was this uh, a sheep rancher who um, was having hard times just making payments and things on his ranch back in the days. And as did many families during that time, they re- required and they needed government subsidy just to make things continue, just to make things go. And, and this Mr. Yates was no different. And... Um, you know, it was day after day just trying to figure out how am I going to make it to the next day? How, how are we going to get through this without just crumbling, you know? And um, one day he was approached by, a, uh, I think it was like a, a seismographic engineer, maybe how you would say it, someone who uh, they asked if they could do a test on his land in West Texas and drill for oil. And he said, sure, you know, um, and he worked out an arrangement with him. And so this company did a, a, tra- a test drill site. The first drill, the, that they, the first uh, well that they dug happened to strike oil at a rate of about 80,000 barrels of oil a day. They asked to do more drills on his property, more drilling. And they found other well sources that were even twice as much as that. And, you know, needless to say, his life changed. He went from being uh, impoverished and just trying to figure out how to make ends meet to someone who lived a, a completely and totally different life, maybe a more prosperous life. But I'm just struck by how this relates to our situation in the Christian life. You know, many Christians, we have ownership. We have the resources, everything that's needed for that abundant life, and we live a self-imposed, impoverished spiritual life. And I think the reason why is because we miss some of what we're going to talk about this morning. We have not taken grasp of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Um, and that's what we're going to look at this morning here. And So we're going to start by um, just looking at a verse that, that kind of is the, the key to this whole uh, situation, what, this whole Spirit-filled life. And it, it comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And it says this, do not get drunk on wine, which, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is dissipation, wastedness. 
but instead be filled with the Spirit. And so we're going to just look to even get started here. There's a few things that we might misunderstand related to this subject. There might be some experiences or some stereotypes that you have to Spirit-filled living that just kind of put you out of the game when it comes to this subject, when it comes to this life experience. And um, two of those errors we need to watch for are... um, are ones that come come naturally. You know, a lot of times when you think of spirit-filled living, um, some sort of being controlled by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, things like that, immediately there's a stereotype that goes towards uh, a charismatic, emotional experience, emotional excesses, and some sort of ecstatic experience that... Someone, uh, maybe you've, you've experienced that yourself. Maybe you went to a charismatic church, you show up not knowing what you're doing, and people start speaking in wild and uncontrolled ways. Uh, there are situations where people are known to roar and some sort of holy laughter and things like that. And that is, when, when it comes to the spirit-filled life, you go, oh no, what is the firehouse up to now? You know, um, That's one side. Now the other side of that error that we can make is... It's kind of doing the exact opposite. We go, man, I know that is a crazy, uncontrolled world without boundaries, and I would much rather do whatever it takes to not experience that. And we end up on, the instead of charismatic side of the equation, we end up on, I don't care how exactly it looks, as long as it's not that. And some sort of anti-charismatic, anti-anything that relates to emotions or supernatural, and we just kind of like... That's for the crazy people and this is for me. What you see is what you get. That's what I live. That's what I deal in. And unfortunately, too many people live that life as well. What you see is what you get. What you can bring about, that's the abundant Christian life and that's it. Others live on the other side and they say the abundant Christian life is speaking crazy languages that nobody understands in chaotic environments. And again, I understand that from scriptures to be an error. And so we need to avoid those errors when we think about this. We also need to understand our our terminology, all right. There's a few different things related to the Holy Spirit that um, some of them are once uh, once and for all sort of situation. When you come to receive Christ, there are some things that happen that are a done deal, that never have to be done again, that you don't lose, that... um, and then there's also things related to being filled with the Spirit. And just some quick definitions on this. Um, when you come to believe in Jesus Christ, it says at that moment that you come to believe you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just the essence of Jesus imparted to believers. When you come to believe in Jesus, when you receive Him, in essence what you receive is His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's indwelled. There's verses that Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 talks about being sealed and, and guaranteed. It says that when you come to believe, it's like you're, you're marked. And you're marked with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, now, this is one of His. This is one of the Christ ones. One of the Christ followers. And it says you are marked. And then it also says that you um, have been given a, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. There's some things that happen. One time when you believe, you might just have prayed a simple prayer to invite Christ into your life, but really some monumental things have happened. Some supernatural things have happened that can never be unchanged. Baptize in the Spirit. You know, Ephesians 12, I believe it's verse 13, but it just talks about that when you come to believe, the Holy Spirit has baptized you or placed you into the body of Christ. Baptism comes from the word baptizo that just means to place into. And by the Holy Spirit, you have been placed into the body of Christ, the believers that have responded to Jesus Christ throughout history. 
by believing you that that's happened. It's a, it's a done deal. Now, when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, if you read the book of Acts, you'll find that there are many fillings. There's multiple times different apostles are filled. You know, it says one time, one of my favorites is Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says they're, they're praying to enable, that God would enable them to speak His Word with great boldness. And then after that it says uh, they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke the Word of God with great boldness. Many times it says, and, and then Peter filled with the Spirit, you know, cast out a demon. And then Peter filled with the Spirit did something else. But there's many times you're filled with the Spirit but some of these other things are, are one-time events. And so we need to distinguish between that. And really, we need to understand what this being filled means. Um, you know, it says be filled with the Spirit. It's, it's contrasting that and comparing that to drunkenness. And so maybe we can learn some things by what was intended when it says be filled. Um, you know, if we compare some uh, similarities to being filled with the Spirit, being drunk with wine... The examples I give about being drunk with wine are only hypothetical and I've only read about them. Um, but no, before I started following Christ, I had some experience with this. But a couple of things that happen that are similar, getting drunk and being filled with the Spirit. One is that you come under the influence of something else. You come under another influence. Either that of alcohol, drugs, or something like that. Or you come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Another thing that happens usually in either one of these situations is you get very fervent, fiery or passionate for good or for bad. I know many times when I was in in drunken stupors, I was extremely loud and obnoxious. And, you know, I I was fiery, I was fervent about my drunkenness, unfortunately for the worst. But the same is true when you see someone filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a fervency. There's something that comes to the table that would not otherwise be there. They have some similarities. They have some obvious differences. Um, when you are filled with wine or you know, drunk on anything, um, the thing that comes to the surface is uh, selfishness. When, when it's under the influence of the Spirit, it says, which leads to debauchery, leads to wastedness. It leads to things like... Um, it uses other words related to lustfulness, immorality. There's, there's something of selfishness that is amplified when you're under the influence of drugs or some, some intoxicating influence. And by direct, you know, opposite of that with the Spirit, you come under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus and you start to amplify Jesus. Uh, a life that is holy, a life that is completely good and selfless. And there's two very different results. One leads to wastedness. The other one leads to um, the context of this passage. It says, uh, don't live as unwise. Make the most of your time. Be filled with the Spirit. One leads to wastedness. The other one leads to making the most of the life that God has given you. Two very different things here. Um, be filled, uh, you know, in in its original meaning and context really relates to being controlled. It's, it's not just a volume thing, like I need more volume of the Holy Spirit. You know, some have said that um, once you receive the Holy Spirit, when you come, become a Christian, you receive as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. There's no like, boy, now i got the, the, half, the 50% blessing and now I'm like 75% full and now I'm, you know, you get these partial installments of the Holy Spirit. That is not scriptural. Uh, that is not true. You receive all of the Holy Spirit, but the real question becomes, how much of the Holy Spirit, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? 
You've got all of Him. The real question is how much of you does He have? How much does He have control of your life? And that's what's at issue here. Are you filled with the Spirit? Be filled, be controlled. Uh, one translation renders it like this. It, you know, it catches it, I think, very clearly as well. But it says in the Living Bible here, Don't drink too much wine, for many evils lie along that path. Be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him. It's about a, a control, being controlled. And so we're going to look at some things related to this verse. Really, I'm going to give you five steps um, in my understanding from the Scriptures on how to be filled with the Spirit. And some might say there's three steps. Some might say there's a ten-step program. Some might say, well, these, these are the ones that God has put on my heart for me and for us. And so I hope that... Um, I think there's five of them. It reminds me of a hand. You know, we've got five appendages on the hand here. And our hope is that with these five things, you will take grasp of the Spirit-filled life. And, um, and so we'll look at some of these steps here. The first one is this. I think it's a blank on your handout here, but you must desire to be filled with the Spirit. You must desire, hunger, want to be filled with the Spirit. This verse here, Jesus taught, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, when the Holy Spirit's in control in your, in your life, there will be a righteousness, uh, doing the way, things the way God wants, doing things right. Um, and... But you have to hunger for that. You have to want that. Jesus said there must be a hunger for this. Um, There's other verses that relate to that same idea. But um, I've got a question for you. Do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to live a life like the, the rancher who was just living impoverished and just trying to make ends meet? Or do you want the life that is overflowing with all your God given resources that He has made available to you? Which life do you want? Because this life will not be accidental. In preparing for this, I've read several different um, books and authors on the subject. You know, there's only so many verses. They kind of all look at the same ones. But it seems like God, speaking through each one of them, drew drew out different facets. And there's a a book called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit by A.W. Tozer here. And, And one of the things that I really felt like God was putting on my heart to share related to this is that that idea, do you really desire this? And I've got some questions to ask you that, um, that might help clarify this. You know, there's some things where he says, um, Are you sure? Are you sure you want this? Um, you want his help? Yes. You want a lot of his benefits? Yes. But are you willing to go with him in his opposition to the easygoing ways of the world? If you are not, you needn't, you needn't apply for anything more than you have. Because you don't want him. You only think you do. Are you sure that you need to be filled? Can't you get along the way you are? Can't you keep getting by with what you've got? Uh, He goes on to say, you've been doing fairly well. I mean, you pray, you read your Bible, you give to missions, you enjoy singing hymns, maybe. Um, You thank God you don't drink or gamble or attend theaters and that you're honest and that you have prayer at home. You're glad about all this. Can't you get along like that? Are you sure you need any more than that? I want to be fair with you. I want to do what Jesus did. He turned to them when they were following Him and told them the truth. He shares it some other places here. Are you sure that you want your personality to be taken over by the one who will expect obedience to the written and living Word? Are you sure you want to be controlled by this Holy Spirit? To obey everything written in His Word? 
Are you sure? Because there's two very different results that are going to come of it. It goes on to say, I ask again, do you desire to have your personality taken over by the one who stands in sharp opposition to this world's easy ways? Is that who you want to be controlled by? Is this what you're thinking about, men and women? It's a serious thing. Do you desire to be filled? Um, I like his quote here. He says it's, it's kind of like this. Um, he says, Do you want to hand the keys of your soul over to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, from now on I don't even have a key to my own house. I, can, I come and go as thou tellest me. Is that what you want? Is that what you desire? It'll be a different life. It'll be abundant life. But it's not for those who aren't hungry for it, who don't want it, who don't see its cost. The point, desire to be filled with the Spirit. The next thing we're going to look at here, and in some ways, uh, I've got a few props I want to use to try to help illustrate some of this, but uh, I've got this vessel here that is kind of like represents you and I a vessel full of liquids here and and the question is do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit here's a vessel here's you here's me the question is do you desire to be filled with the Spirit we'll set that right here don't get too close don't smell that please um, the next point we have is is this well let's read this verse first here it leads us to the next point if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument of noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Before it's talking about things that are not noble, things that are, are unclean or unholy. But he says, hey, if you want to be useful to your master, you need to be cleansed. Cleanse yourself even from uh, those ignoble purposes and make yourself an instrument for noble purposes holy and useful to the, to the Master, prepared to do any good work. So that's the point there. We need to be, if you want to take hold of this life, you must be a clean vessel to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's two facets of this being a clean vessel that I, that I want to draw our attention to here. One, the first one is that in order to be full of the Holy Spirit, you must be emptied of self. You cannot be full of self and full of the Holy Spirit at the same time. You cannot even have 50% of yourself trying to handle the steering wheel while the Holy Spirit takes 50% of control of your life. It doesn't work like that. It's all or nothing. You must be emptied of self. And so um, we'll, we'll take a look at that here. Um, that would be, in this case, we have this vessel that's full of a nasty brown concoction I made. Um, some of you might find it tasty. It's got soy sauce and Worcestershire sauce and other odds and ends in it, but it's, uh, I would think in general you would not find this too tasty. But what you need to do in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit is first you must empty your, yourself, empty your own life of self. You know, and that's, let's, let's do that. Much better, right? Um, and some verses that relate to emptying, being emptied of self. The Galatians 2.20, some of you might remember that as a memory verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
I've been crucified. My old life has been crucified. It's no longer on the scene. It's no longer driving this life. Christ lives in me. We need to have that. John 12:24. it talks about um, if you're a single, if I remain a single kernel, uh, it says this, unless a single kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single kernel of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And it goes on to say the, the verse that's in uh, many of the Gospels, but if you, want, if you love this life that you're living, the impoverished Christian life or the impoverished non-Christian life, um, you will lose it. And if you lose the life that you're living for the sake of Christ, for the sake of giving it over to the Holy Spirit, you will find true life. Are you willing to lose your own life? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit indwell you, take control of you, and maybe even bring some things to light that are different than your favorite quirks and personality traits or things like that? Are you, you willing to give control to Him? To be emptied of self. You no longer get the steering wheel of your life. You no longer get the keys to the car. You're a passenger. That, that needs to happen. But, and, and so you have to consider that. Are you willing to empty yourself and say, you know, I have been crucified. This is now about Jesus. And maybe you are willing to do that. Maybe you've done that. There becomes a problem, though. You know, it looks fairly clean. How would you like um, me to fill this up with some water and would you take a drink? Maybe, maybe not. Probably depends on what this substance is. What if I told you this morning, after I changed my young boy's diaper, I, I put something in this cup? Would you drink from it then? Most of us would find that disgusting. I do too. Um, <laughs> But the point is, sometimes in our lives we go, God, I'm 95% yours. We could check the volume on that. Maybe I'm 97% yours. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, I do not fill up things that have unholy residue left behind. Crud. Still in the vessel. You want to be filled? Are there areas of your life that need to be cleaned out? That need to maybe be wiped? That's peanut butter, just for the record. (laughs) But are you willing to have those areas cleaned? And and how do we do that? The Scripture is very clear on how we do that. We offer ourselves, we give ourselves up, we die to ourselves, and we are cleansed through... We need to be cleansed of unconfessed sin. Do you have sin in your life you're not being honest about with God? With others, do you have things that keep creeping back up? You're 95% a pretty awesome Christian. Just don't look for the chunks on the side of the glass. You'll find them. You know, the Holy Spirit, you need to be a clean vessel to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I want you to catch that. The Spirit of Jesus, we think of Jesus as loving, He's gentle, He's peaceful. But the Holy Spirit is holy. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not fill or take control of things that are unholy, unclean, unconfessed sin. A good verse on this, um, and this verse is really for Christians here. Um, I like uh, one author says this verse is kind of like the Christian's bar of soap. You're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but even Christians need to scrub when there's sin that keeps creeping up and it's hard to get rid of. And it says this, verse 9, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
There's a confessing of our sins that must occur. If you want to be controlled by the Spirit, you want the abundant life, but there is sin that is stuck, crud that is stuck in your life, you're doing real good except for those areas, you need to confess that sin, confess whatever it is. It might be different for each one of us, but confessing... um, One author just gave three simple steps to confess, and you can write these down. But the first one is just, confess in general means to to agree with. Do I agree with what God says about this? The first one is, do you agree with God that there is sin going on in your life? An easy thing to do is, God, I have all these weaknesses. I'm just not patient enough. Uh, In the meantime, I'm angry. Um, God, I'm just not faith-filled enough. In the meantime, I'm despairing or depressed. Um, God, I'm just not something... It's just a weakness I have. Well, you know, you need to agree with God. And if anything in your life differs from what the Word of God calls you to or what God's will is, call it what it is. God, I've got sin in my life. And I haven't been confessing it as sin. And I confess it to you. I agree with you. You say this is wrong. You say, well, the the fruit of the Spirit is this, self-control. I lack self-control. That's sin. It's not just an area to grow in. So the first part is agreeing with God about it. The second part is if you're a Christian, you know what else you need to agree with God on? Whatever sin you just confessed, that was paid for it back at the cross. You need to agree with God about the cross. On the cross, Jesus paid for whatever sin it is that is stuck, whatever crud is in your life that's stuck, He paid for that. And you need, you need to agree with Him about it. Sometimes we think, I need to beat myself up more about it. I need to feel really bad and guilty. I need to go back to the cross and agree with God that Jesus did everything that was necessary to pay for that sin. And the last thing we need to do is kind of agree that we need to turn from it. We need to turn over back to God's will. Whatever area of sin it is, we go, God, I agree that's sin. Thank you that you died on the cross for that sin. I agree with you about that too and I agree. I do need to be a slave to righteousness. I do need to live for your glory. I do need to do your will. And that's the way we clean out the vessel here. Hopefully this is as clean as it needs to be so that we can drink out of it afterwards here. Do a little communion after we're done, maybe. Um, let's see here. So, be a clean vessel to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the next point we're going to look at here is, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let's read that one more time here. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You want to be filled with the Spirit once you're emptied of self and cleansed of unconfessed sin, you need to offer everything you have left to be filled completely. Once you take time, even on this last one, to think over areas of unconfessed sin, areas that maybe you haven't got honest with God with, or maybe there are areas in your life that you continue to struggle with and you're honest with God, nobody else knows that you have those areas of sin. Maybe it's time to get honest with others as well. There's a verse that talks about confessing your sin to one another. Um, and maybe that needs to happen as well before you get on with this next step here. But you need to ask yourself, what areas of sin do I have? You know, what am I struggling with? Um, I remember a guy once that was uh, struggling with certain sins, and he um, 
He felt like he confessed to God regularly. He was often breaking bread anytime the church or uh, ministry broke bread. He was breaking bread, being reminded of his forgiveness in Christ and continued in sin. And that young man is still serving time in prison right now. Oh, but he was confessing to God. Are you confessing but stuck in certain areas of sin? You need to make sure that you get honest with God and with others where needed. Or if you get honest with others real quick, maybe you need to get honest with God and get out of that sin. But then once, once we have that, then we need to offer what's left. But offering yourself completely has some, has some challenges as well. Um, first, we need to offer ourselves completely just because it's an act of worship. It's an act of thanksgiving. I love the verse that was shared this morning, the prayer meeting. Um, Sarah and Brad had the same verse. They wrote down their quiet times. We suspect Brad copied Sarah's verse, but uh, uh, but the verse had to do with giving God a thank offering. We're not just saying it's it's offering yourself completely because He died on the cross for all your sins. He bought you back. He gave you a new destination, a new creation, a new purpose. You're offering yourself. It's not in a vacuum. It's in response to His mercy, to His love. It's an act of worship. But another part of that, when you offer yourself completely, that means everything. Every, every nook and cranny, you know, I tried to figure out a way to get little compartments in this glass and go, i got to give you most of the compartments in this glass. There's some, boy, I don't know if I want you to mess with those. But are you willing to offer every area of your life to God? You know, is there some area where you go, God, I don't want to give that up. Or, I'll do anything you want me to do, but not that. Or... I'll be anything you want me to be for your glory except for as long as it's not this, that, or the other. And, you know, we might fill in the blanks with some things here. I like um, Tim LaHaye had some writing on this. He says, um, To be filled with the Holy Spirit, we must make ourselves completely available to God. To do anything the Holy Spirit directs us to do. If there is anything in our lives we are unwilling to do or to be, then we are resisting God. This always limits God's Spirit. Do not make the mistake of being afraid to give yourself to God. You know, sometimes I think if we give ourselves to God fully, it's going to be like, then God's just going to crush me, because that's what God likes to do, crush people, you know. Here I am, okay, thanks for offering yourself. Now, now it's time to enjoy my love, you know. Um, The same God that bought your life, your soul with His blood because He loved you is the same one you're turning over the keys to. You don't have to fear Him. Now, you know, it's, it's kind of like that classic quote from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe books where they talk about, you know, um, is, is God... You know, they're talking about Aslan as he's the lion who kind of represents God. And they're like, well, is he safe? And, and, you know, these kids are asking that and the answer back to them is, well, no, he's not safe, but he's good. If you offer your life to God, is he going to spare your ego? Is he going to promote you, build you up, give you your wildest dreams? No, he's not safe as far as your ego is concerned, but he's good. And he loves you, and he has your best in mind. And that's who we're offering our lives to. But it's every part of your life. You know, if you say, God, uh, I give you everything. But um, sometimes we get things that we feel like God has given us. God, you gave me this dream. You gave me this gift, this talent, this vision. I'll do anything you want, and especially if you do that. I'll do anything you want, especially if you don't take that away from me. Do you have any contingencies with God? You give Him everything as long as it looks like your plan, your story. You've got to give Him everything. You know, I think of different examples from the Bible. Abraham was promised through his son Isaac he would become a great nation. 
a God-given promise. Abraham said, could say, i got to give you everything except obviously not my son because we got this deal. And God said, I want your son on the altar. And he did. And he reckoned, you know, God gave me this promise, this son, he could bring him back to me. I think about Joseph. He had a God-given dream. He had these dreams that God gave him that all his brothers would bow down to him. He had another dream that all his brothers and his family members would bow down to him. And so what did he do? He spent the rest of his life figuring out how in the world he could live out his dream, right? No, he had nothing to do with how that dream was implemented. Sometimes they go, God gave me that verse. He gave me that dream, this desire. You know what? Let him figure out how that's going to work out. Because you know what he did to Joseph? He gave him years, sold into slavery. And then after he got tired of that, he sent him to prison for a while. You know, you think if Joseph was trying to figure out, I've got God on my life is yours. I especially look to be this great person with all my siblings bowing down to me and my parents. And um, Do you think he would have thought, first step, I should probably sell myself into slavery. That seems like it makes sense. And then I'll, I'll go into prison because slavery is, you know, eventually that's going to get old. I need more challenges. No, the, the plan that he was living out, the desire that he was given, that thing that God called him to, was, it was out of Joseph's hands. Is your dream, is your talent, is your gift? Or do you see how God can best use you? Because you've got two choices there. You know, Tim LaHaye goes on to say, say this. For consecrated Christians, giving the Lord control or dominance is often the most difficult thing to do. You see, we can always find some worthy purpose for our lives, yet not realize that we are doing good while being filled with ourselves rather than with the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to offer every part of your life to God? That's what's needed to be filled. Next step might be one of the simplest ones here in a lot of ways. It's number four here. Um, is to ask to be filled. Here's a, a verse that directly relates to that, a promise that relates to that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven your Father in Heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. You need to ask to be filled. This requires humility. Asking for something means you have to admit you can't get it on your own. When it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the the supernatural Spirit of God, the essence of Jesus, do you think you can do it on your own? My guess is probably not, right? I don't think anyone thinks they can, but to not be able to do it, to admit you can't do it, is different to ask for help to do it. A lot of people admit, I can't do that. And they don't do that for the rest of their lives. They're stuck in a rut. They don't change. That's half the battle admitting you can't. The other half is asking God, the God who can. Think of the promise, Matthew 19.26, that says, you know, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We need to ask to be filled. It requires humility. Admit your need, your helplessness, and ask God for His gracious help. Another thing we need to realize is that this is a command to be obeyed. God says to you and to me, hey you, be filled with the Spirit. And so when you're asking God, you can turn it around and say, God, look, you've called me to do this. I'm obviously impossible to fill myself with the Holy Spirit. Would you fill me with the Spirit? Would you give me the fullness of the Spirit, Father? Would you... Give me everything that's needed to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to ask. The last point we'll look at here ties back into faith. You know, we have four, four points so far. I'd consider it like four fingers of your hand. 
there's um, first you have to desire it then you must be a clean vessel then you must offer yourself then you must ask but it's kind of like a hand when you're trying to grip something one of the most important parts of your hand to grip is your thumb can I get an amen from Danielle any other anatomy type students here you need to have your thumb to take hold you want to take hold of this life you cannot do it without this point here which is you must have faith you must trust God you must believe according to his promises you ask him to be filled that's what he wants to do He's the one that told you to do it anyway, so you can ask Him. This is a a promise here that says, hey, you can have confidence when you approach God, but if you ask Him anything according to His will, like being filled with His Spirit, He hears you. And if you know that He hears you, you can know that you have what you asked of Him. And um, and we need to believe that. We need to take hold of that. This whole thing, it's kind of the the thumb that holds holds the whole thing in place. And I've seen the example before where you try to hold on to a Bible or something like that and you could use four fingers or a lot of different combinations of fingers but really someone could pull it out of your hand really easy if you don't have your thumb. But you get your thumb in there and you have a hard time getting that out of my hand. No, I'm just joking. You've been lifting weights and stuff. I know we're exercising. So. But the point is you got to have faith is required. It's a necessary thing. It's the most important thing, arguably, to this whole five steps. And I, there was a verse I read recently that was kind of convicting along this line. So I'd heard these truths before. I am just was reviewing them. There's been different times I feel like I've applied them more uh, consistently or more with more faith. But I came across this verse along the way in Galatians 3, verse 3 and 5. But it says this, you know, and I put my name in here. Uh, Rich, you can put your name in here. Blank, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Does God give His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? You know, salvation comes because you believe God's promises about Jesus dying on the cross for you. You know where the abundant life comes from, the Spirit-filled life comes from? You believe that... God has commanded you to it and He's given you everything you need. You've got the resources. You own the property. You've got the rights to the whole thing if you would just believe it and take hold of it. I like this last one here. It says, um, again related to the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, maybe you're thirsty for that Spirit-filled life, the supernatural life, the life that is not the impoverished, normal Christian life. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Is that the life you want? The Spirit-filled life? The Spirit-controlled life? You need to just offer yourself and ask God to fill you and then trust that He'll fill you. This filling is external. His filling, He said, comes from within. Fill you with living water. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Men and women, if you go through these steps and just try this, maybe some of you, this will be the first time you've ever even heard something like this. I encourage you, try it out. Maybe in your next quiet time, the next time you read the Bible, sit down. Tell God you desire to be filled. Empty yourself of 
of yourself and unconfessed sin. Offer yourself completely. Ask Him to fill you. Trust Him to fill you. And then get on with living this Spirit-filled life, the supernatural life together with the God who, who you're not only connected with, who you're in the same yoke with, but who is filling you and controlling you from within. Get on with living that close, intimate relationship, that sweet fellowship. And listen to Him. If He calls you to do something you've never done before, the thing you're afraid of doing the most from the Scriptures, just try to walk in step with Him. Live the Spirit-controlled life, the Spirit-filled life, the abundant life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't know about the people in this room, but I tell you, I am thirsty. I am thirsty for being filled with You, being controlled with You, living for Your will, Your glory, and not mine. Lord God, I I do ask that I do offer myself to You completely. I pray for each one of us. We want to offer ourselves to You, even as a church, and ask that You would fill us with Your Spirit. We ask that You would, Lord, that You would answer us by all Your promises related to this, Your faithful promises, Your gracious promises. Lord, we ask that You would fill us to overflowing with You and help us to live that abundant life with You. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. There is, um, on the back table, if, you, um, if you'd like another resource for this, um, Bill Bright from Campus Crusade for Christ uh, put out just a, a kind of like a book, like a track, but this one's related to the Spirit-filled life. There's a handful of them back there on the table, and it, it wraps up even with a, a prayer that, that represents the truth that we shared here. It's not a magic prayer, but it represents the things that we've mentioned here about confessing sin, about offering to ourselves completely, about asking the Holy Spirit, and then, and then about trusting Him. I love how it ends at the end. It says, Now I thank you for directing my life and for filling me with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can thank God because He's heard your prayer and He keeps His word. And so I encourage you, and this might be something, we'll talk about this more next week, about once you're filled, you know that you're probably going to have to do this quite often. You know, at least daily and when you're first getting started, you might have to do this like in the next five minutes, like five times, you know. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about the life that is overflowing next week, the life that is not only filled but overflowing and, and walking filled with the Spirit. And that's um, just another extension of what we talked about here today. But thank you guys again for coming this morning. We look forward to catching you next week. And, and women, I encourage you to enjoy the Oscars party tonight. Be filled with the Spirit and have a great time and, and let God use you in any way He wants to. And we'll catch you guys later.